19th chapter of 1st Kings where we are going to consider this incident in the life of the great prophet called Elijah and while you're turning it up may I remind you that James in his epistle chapter 5 and verse 17 reminds us that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as ourselves what James is saying is Elijah is just a man like any other one of us but this man is found in this portion we are looking at this morning in great trouble he's suffering from a great sense of discouragement and despair and while I was looking at this chapter I realized that many Christians today suffer from this sense of despondency and discouragement not to mention despair and fear and uh, what is to be done about it have we got in this story from Elijah something to help us in our times of discouragement and uh, despair well we'll look at the story usually Elijah is taken as one of the great heroes of the faith a man mighty in prayer and so he was he was the man who laid hold upon God in times of great apostasy in such a way that he gained control of the heavens and the sky poured down rain or withheld rain at the command of this man not only so but this man was able to see the open heaven and the fire of the Lord descend once again in a time of great spiritual declension and so Elijah was a great man he appears on the scene of scripture in a very dramatic way perhaps the most dramatic appearance of any individual in the pages of holy scripture it was a time as we've said of great declension a time when the spiritual tide was running very low and usually in times like these idolatry and false cults rear their heads as a matter of fact we are going through I believe a time like this just now in our own country when the spiritual tide is running rather low and all kinds of cults and false religions are proliferating around the country it was at a time like this one of these times when Elijah made his dramatic appearance on the scene and immediately things began to change the appearance of this man brought in a new day a day of quickening a day of renewal a day of revival and uh, uh, this man was one of the great men of all time 
to see idolatry practically obliterated from the land and the name of Jehovah exalted. No other prophet had the success that this man had. See him on the top of Mount Carmel, this one solitary figure facing no fewer than 850 idolatrous priests in a trial of prayer. It was the greatest trial in his life. It became the greatest day in his life. And uh, he was the prophet who made his request to God that he would declare himself and show that he was the God of all the earth, that he was Jehovah God. And the fire descended and not only consumed the sacrifice but burnt up the offering and the altar and licked up the water in the trench around. Elijah was established that day as uh, the greatest giant of faith of his time and maybe indeed of all time. Now this is the man that we see today in this portion of scripture in deep black despair. This is the man just like ourselves a man of like passions to ourselves. Uh, yesterday Elijah was victorious as we've noticed on the mountaintop. He had the greatest mountaintop experience, the greatest day of his whole career, but this is the day after. And the day after a great spiritual experience can be very gloomy and indeed it can be very dangerous. If you remember when our Lord Jesus Christ was baptized in Jordan and the heavens opened and the dove descended or the spirit descended in form of a dove and the heavens opened and declared the Lord Jesus to be the Son of God in whom the Father had great delight immediately afterwards he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the evil one. Yes, the day after is always a very difficult and maybe dangerous day. The same thing happened in the life of the Apostle Paul, if you remember. He had that wonderful experience of being caught up, as he says, into the third heaven. There he saw things about which he couldn't speak, things that defied his, his language even. He couldn't declare them, he couldn't describe them. They were so wonderful. But then immediately afterwards he received, we read, a thorn in the flesh. And what was this thorn in the flesh? It was the minister of Satan to buffet him. And that word buffet is very interesting. It's the word that was used uh, of a ship in the midst of a great, uh, a great tempest with the waves uh, buffeting the vessel as it tried to make its way through the sea. A minister of Satan sent to buffet the servant of God. And this is the day after. 
Yesterday, Elijah faced 450 to 850 idolatrous priests. Today, we find him fleeing from one painted idolatrous woman. Yesterday, he experienced the open heavens and the fire of the Lord descending upon the sacrifice. Today, he's fleeing into the wilderness, cowed and defeated, seeking some scant shade in the desert. Yesterday, he ran a superhuman race. Today, we find him sleeping, sleeping uh, under the juniper tree like any ordinary mortal person. Yesterday he was on top of the world, you might say. Today the world's on top of him. Yesterday he slew the enemies of the Lord hip and thigh with a great slaughter. Today he is seeking the repose of death for himself. Yesterday he was on top of the circumstances. Today the circumstances are on top of Elijah. Yesterday he was an elated prophet. Today he is a prophet in the throes of black despair. The problem of discouragement and despair. Now what are we going to say about this story? Well, I want to say three things specially about the story. First of all, I think we ought to try and discover, if we can, the causes of this despair in the life of Elijah. Then we want to see the course of despair, where despair leads us in the end. And thirdly, if we can possibly find a cure for this kind of discouragement. Now first of all let's look at the causes and far be it from me to criticize in any shape or form a man like Elijah. Nevertheless, since he was a man according to James just like ourselves, it might be helpful for us to discover if we possibly can some of the reasons for his despair. And uh, I find that the commentators have much to say about this. Uh, some of them very kindly and others not so kindly. One of the kindly comments is that this man was under great pressure of work. Pressure. He had been under great strain, this prophet of the Lord. His energy was sapped, his nerves were frayed, his will and resolve were broken and what he needed was to get away from it all he needed a rest he needed a place away from the maddening throng for a time he needed some good food and some good rest he needed a holiday that's what Elijah needed on this occasion and I believe the story suggests that Sometimes a rest is all we need. Sometimes. I knew of a minister 
who was going away on a month's vacation and one of his uh, congregation said but you know minister the devil never rests no said the minister I know but I'm not following him you know the one I'm following says come ye apart and rest a while we are following the one who understands the problems of pressure and strain and Elijah perhaps uh, needed a holiday but I believe that perhaps there are greater implications I believe for instance that there might have been here in Elijah's case an incomplete obedience I want you to read two verses with me from the previous chapter chapter 18 first of all verse 19 now therefore says the Lord send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal 450 and the prophets of the groves 400 those that eat at Jezebel's table verse 40 of that chapter and Elijah said unto them take the prophets of Baal let not one of them escape there's no mention there of the prophets of the groves Jezebel's favorites those that ate at her table no mention there I wonder was there an incomplete obedience at this time on the part of God's servant he had been told to slay 850 he had been satisfied with 400 he had left those 400 favorites of Jezebel who ate at her table was there incomplete obedience I throw out the suggestion to you you read the story find it out for yourself was this man in this great distressful condition because of incomplete obedience then others say that it was fear that caused this the fear of man says the book of Proverbs bringeth a snare well in this case it wasn't a man it was a woman painted beautiful intelligent but for all that very bad and very dangerous and sometimes the best thing to do with these kind of people is to flee from them get away as fast as you can uh, the Bible says flee youthful Russ and Joseph when he was brought to temptation by such a woman fled from her presence but my dear friends this was not a case of seduction this was a case of defiance this was one who had set herself up to defy the God of Israel and this called for confrontation this called for a demand on the part of God's servant that she bring forth her 400 favorite uh, idolatrous prophets that they might meet the same end as the prophets of Baal yes I believe this was a time to be counted a time to stand up to be counted this was a time to confront the dark sinister idolatrous power in this woman I think we have a little uh, uh, sidelight on that in the book of Revelation 
in the church of Thyatira we always have this kind of problem and in uh, uh, the church at Thyatira Revelation 2 and 20 this is one of the things the Spirit says I have against you as a church nevertheless I have somewhat against you because you tolerate that woman Jezebel which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed to idols yes there was perhaps the despair in the heart of the prophet because of a great fear that had gripped him the fear of man what a terrible terrible imprisonment when we get into bondage to the fear of man there's something else that perhaps caused his despair and that is egoism pride you say was Elijah such a man well as I read the story I think perhaps he was rather full of himself on this occasion you see on top of the mountain he had had this wonderful experience of discomforting 850 prophets idolatrous priests who had gone to all ex extremes to call down fire from heaven without success and he alone in the power of God's spirit and in mighty prayer uh, saw the fire come down and perhaps he thought for a moment you know I'm the greatest no prophet has ever seen this before I am the man I am the greatest and how do I come to this conclusion well because you find him saying under the juniper tree I am not better than any of my fathers I think perhaps he had been thinking he was better and it was only there under reflection and in the coils of remorse under the juniper tree that he could say I am not better after all I've been thinking I was and I'm not after all notice also under the juniper tree says I have been very jealous for the Lord have been he should have been able to say as a prophet of the Lord I am jealous for the things of the Lord I have been was Elijah has been in this matter of being jealous in the things of the Lord was it something that pertained to the past and he even goes on to say I even I only am left what a position for any servant of the Lord to get in to think that he was the last ditch man uh, between uh, the whole world and God if anything happened to him the work of God was going to fall to pieces I even I only am left yes I believe as we read this part of Elijah's story there was an awful lot of Elijah in it 
And I believe that that was one of the causes of his despair. Job, in a great verse of satire, turned round to the people who were trying to befriend him in evil times. He said, right enough, you are the people, and wisdom will die with you. What a greater danger to think that we are the people, and if anything happens to us, then the work of God is finished once and for all. Yes, Elijah was a man just like ourselves. Elijah could suffer, I think, from a little bit of big-headedness. Ah, he could suffer from too much, Elijah. And I'm suggesting to you that the causes of this man's despair are there plain to see in the scriptures. Either it was pressure of work, either it was that or it was fear of man. If it wasn't fear of man, it was incomplete obedience to the word of the Lord. And if it wasn't that, it was perhaps a little bit of egoism. Maybe it was a little bit of woeful. The causes of despair and discouragement are very many indeed. Now let us look at the course of despair. Where does despair take us in the end? Well, I would uh, point out to you that despair, uh, first of all, takes a man out of the battle. It takes a man out of the fight. It immobilizes the man. And here we find Elijah hors de combat, sitting and then sleeping under the juniper tree. He is no longer serving the Lord. He has been rendered a casualty of the battle. He's now out there having a sleep away in the desert under the scant shade of a juniper tree. He's not the only one to do this kind of thing. Remember, he's a man like ourselves. Jonah was another. He fled from the presence of the Lord, maybe for different reasons. But Jonah also became heavy-eyed and sleepy. Have you ever heard of a man in a little bark in the midst of a tempest at sea, sleeping soundly like a baby in the bottom of the ship? How sleepy you can get when you're out of the way and out of the will of God and in the gall of bitterness and in deep despair. Yes, you can sleep the sleep of death. And uh, this is the condition we find the prophet uh, Elijah in, in black despair. Now I believe that despair brings us to two considerations. It leads us to two things. Number one, you'll notice it leads us to demand demission, resignation. And secondly, a desire to see the end of everything. Another kind of resignation. A desire for death itself. First of all, we find Elijah here demanding 
demission. I'm going to put in my resignation, says Elijah. It is enough. I've had enough. That is what he says. I've had enough. I'm not going to continue any longer. It's been too much for me. I'm battered and I'm bruised and I can't take any more. I'm putting in my resignation. I'm finished. I knew a missionary not very far from here who was sent to a place of terrible persecution and deep discouragement and that missionary packed his bags four times to leave that place by the grace of God he was able to continue because he knew that is the place this was the place to which God had sent him oh how easy it is when we get down into this this bondage of despair to put in our resignation I've had enough and then there's this desire to be taken out of it altogether says Elijah take away my life it's not worth living anymore take away my life this man this man who was destined not to die this man who was one of two people, only two people in the whole of the Old Testament who did not pass through the article of death but was caught up into the presence of God this man of all people is saying take away my life it's not worth living anymore yes despair can take us there I mentioned Jonah, it took Jonah there remember when they wakened him up out of his sleep he said you know I'm the cause of all this trouble throw me overboard get rid of me end it all for me and uh, Elijah and Jonah weren't the only people who suffered this kind of thing John Bunyan knew about this he must have known about this in his Pilgrim's Progress we have a beautiful piece about this Pilgrim and Good Hope got out of the way what happened to them when they got out of the way they were captured by a giant called Despair and a giant Despair took them and he put them into his prison in Doubting Castle and he left them languishing there for a time and then the giant came and this is what he said to them seeing you are never going to get out of here you're best to put an end to it all there's the blade there's the rope there's poison really you can't put up with all this bitterness end it all yes it's a very common thing apparently for Christians even servants of the Lord to get to the point of despair and say I'm going to cast everything away I'm resigning I've had enough I've reached the end of the road Lord take away my life it's not worth living anymore discouragement despair disheartened, defeated and one of the old commentators adds this 
he says sometimes there aren't enough juniper trees to go round sometimes alright we've seen some of the causes of this we've seen the course this takes us along I wonder is there a cure for this kind of depression this kind of despair well let's turn to the story again because I believe the story suggests three things to us along this line and the first one is this Elijah needed to get a new appraisal of himself he needed to know who he was he needed to get a look into his own heart he needed to know his own weakness his own inability to carry through the program that God had given him to do a new appraisal of himself and so God God gives him a long and a good sleep and God provides him with the good food he requires how many of us have had a, a meal prepared by the angels themselves yes twice over this man was fed from the hands of the angels such a such a meal that he was able to go for days and days and days on the strength of it ah yes but with the meal there came the word of the Lord what a rebuke it was Elijah the journey is too long for thee it's too difficult for thee you can't do it Elijah on your own strength by your own abilities trusting in the arm of the flesh Elijah you cannot do this thing all by yourself the journey is too great for you Elijah you need to depend on God you need to 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 receive heavenly sustenance you need the means of grace you need the companionship of God himself you need his Holy Spirit you need all the grace that God can give you Elijah if you're going to do this uh, work that I've given you to do you have to have the sentence of death in yourself Elijah not to trust in yourself but in the God who raises the dead you've got to know what Paul knew when he said I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live but not I but the grace of God that worketh in me Christ in me Christ lives in me or in the words of the psalmist all my well springs are in thee he needed a new appraisal of himself not to trust in his self-sufficiency in his abilities the ego must disappear Elijah must decrease God must increase this was the way an appraisal of self the journey is too great for thee and the second thing is this he needed a new appraisal of God and God gave him that too he took Elijah to the historic mountain of God 
He took him to Horeb. And he hid him in the cave. I wonder, was it the same cave from which Moses first saw the burning bush? It was in this mountain of God, Horeb, that Moses saw the bush and had the revelation of the God who is all-sufficient. It was here that Moses said, and if I go back to this people, they'll say to me, what is the name of your God? What will I say to them? And God says, you shall tell them that I am sent you, the all-sufficient one, the one who is abundantly able to do all that he has promised to do, the God who is able. Be great I am. And Elijah needed a fresh appraisal of the God he served. And as he stood there in the cave, he had a revelation of the mighty God whom he served. He was shown that the God he served was the God of all the earth the God who upholds all things by the word of his power, the God of creation, the God of sustenance, the great God over all blessed forever. For there as he sat in the cave, there came revelation that God was the mighty God. The wind blew and the rocks were broken to pieces. The earthquake shook the mountain under his feet and the fire of God fell down on the mountain. A revelation of the mighty God that uh, had sent him to do his service. He got a revelation of this is the God who communicates with his people, who has revealed himself to us and who speaks with us and talks with us. And as he sat there, there came a still small voice. And what did the voice say? The voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? You have no right to be here. What are you doing, Elijah, running away in the time of battle? In the time of great need, what are you doing here? There's so much work to be done, and here you are. You're on the run. You're running away. Oh, Elijah, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. And there came also to him a new appraisal of uh, the service that God had given him to do. God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Go return. Get back to the work. There's a lot of work to be done. There are kings to align. Hazael and Jehu and little did Elijah know that this same Jehu was going to be a king who would once and for all deliver the land from idolatry under his reign idolatry was to be totally eradicated from the land and furthermore Elijah don't you think you're the only one I've got there are 7,000 people I have in Israel who have not bowed the knee to Baal nor kissed his mouth. 
I've always got my remnant, Elijah. Never get into your head that you are the last one, the last ditch man, the only one left. I've got 7,000 I can turn to to do my work. And Elijah, there's a young man waiting in the wings. You're going to anoint him as your successor. He's going to get a double portion of your spirit. He's perhaps going to do many more mighty things than you have ever done. The work of God is not depending on you, Elijah. You alone. You're only one of the great band, Elijah. One of the great elect of God. And I believe Elijah was cured of his depression and his despair. The cause of it may be overwork, may be incomplete obedience, may be fear of man, may be too much self. The course of despair, resignation. Resignation in two ways, resignation from the cause, resignation to die. But oh, there's the cure. Get a new appraisal of oneself, one's insufficiency, one's inability. A new appraisal of the God who is all sufficient and abundantly able. A new appraisal of the service that God has given us to do. And Elijah, we read, rose up and departed. He went back to the work, never to fall into despair again, until that day he was caught up in the angelic chariots into the very presence of God himself. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we give thee thanks for thy word and for thy Holy Spirit's direction. We pray that we may find in thy word something for every consideration, every eventuality in our lives. For all the emotions that beset us when discouraged or in despair, disillusioned, when defeated, when seeking to get out of the work altogether, oh dear Lord, bring us back to see ourselves as thou the seest. Bring us back to see our God the mighty and the terrible, the great God who is over all. And may we lose our self-sufficiency in the great all-sufficiency of the great I am. And may we do thy work in the strength that God alone supplies, hear us and cleanse us and bless us for the Redeemer's sake. Amen.